Welcome to the Center for New American Security's National Security Startups podcast series, hosted by Senior Fellow and Director of the Technology and National Security Program, Ben Fitzgerald. Welcome, everyone. We are joined today by Raj Shah, the Managing Partner at the DIUX, the Defense Innovation Unit Experimental. Raj, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ben. It's good to be here. For those who are not familiar with Raj's background, uh, Raj, it, it would appear, has been genetically engineered to be the perfect individual to lead the DIUX. He's a fighter pilot with an MBA. He has spent time working cybersecurity policy in the Pentagon. He founded and ran his own startup uh, to a successful exit via acquisition at Palo Alto Networks, and then has spent a couple of years at Palo Alto Networks um, in Silicon Valley dealing with a range of cybersecurity um, opportunities and, 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 and issues. So Raj, congratulations on the gig as managing partner. I think this is a great opportunity to, to get in and talk about um, the opportunities and challenges associated with startups. Um, should we just jump straight in? Please, Ben. Cool. Okay, so there is a lot of talk about startups these days and has been for um, really since the secretary, uh, Ash Carter, gave, the, gave that speech about a year and a half ago now in, in Stanford. Um, I'd just be interested in your thoughts on, on sort of what is the opportunity? Why are startups important beyond just, you know, innovation is good? Uh, that's a great question, Ben, and, and it goes to the heart of why DIUX uh, exists. Um, and I think it would be helpful for us to look at and understand some of the historical trends, how R&D financing uh, has occurred and where you know, the nexus of that is, is headed. So, you know, traditionally, if we look at uh, our nation in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, defense R&D and federal R&D was a preponderance of, uh, of activity. Um, but that has dramatically changed. Commercial R&D has far outpaced federal R&D. Uh, they, they crossed in 1974, and now commercial R&D is uh, more than double what, uh, what we spend as a U.S. government. And so... What we're really talking about here is how do we, um, as a nation, leverage the heavy investments of commercial R&D to help improve natural, uh, national security? Uh, so uh, there are uh, large numbers of startups as well as uh, large numbers of uh, more established technology companies that are spending you know, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, going after very large commercial markets. Uh, and they are investing in technologies that have strong relevance for national security. So what, what the opportunity really is, is how do we then leverage that uh, innovation and bring it uh, into the department to support our national security needs? Um, I can give you some, you know, some specific, uh, specific examples around that. So if we think about how you know, for example, a large consumer, online consumer retailer may want to be able to deliver packages to consumers around the world in villages in uh, rural nations. Uh, they are investing heavily in technology like automation, machine learning, and artificial intelligence in order to access that market. Uh, and those same technologies now have relevance to us uh, in, the, in the defense circle. So, so really the reason why Startups are important uh, to, to DOD uh, and, and the nation broadly is uh, there's high levels of, 
of resource and energy being put into there. Um, and, and more importantly, even beyond that, is the way that technology is being developed has, has fundamentally changed, right? The life cycle or the half-life of uh, time it takes to uh, develop a new capability, a, a new product idea, and bring it to the, you know, con the commercial consumer or enterprise market is very, very rapid, right? Months instead of years. Uh, and so we need to be able to, to uh, get access and leverage that. That's right. We wouldn't have had time to complete the requirements generation process in several months, let alone actually build some technology. The, um, so the, the fact that, that the DIOX is being created it implies that in some way that the, the existing uh, DOD infrastructure it finds it difficult to work with startups or startups find it difficult to work with the DOD infrastructure. I'd just be interested in what you think, uh, your perception of what those impediments are uh, that sort of make it difficult for DOD and, and startup communities to collaborate effectively. Yeah, great, great question. And, and your last point is, is absolutely right. Like the, the software half-life, uh, if that is shorter than the time it takes to actually procure software, uh, that's not a not a winning proposition. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so let me give you a, you know a personal example of of, uh, of how this has manifested itself, and then we can uh, then I'll, I'll answer your question uh, and why this for me personally is an important uh, issue. Uh, so I had the privilege when I was in the U.S. Air Force to. Uh, deployed to to Iraq in, in support of our uh, our combat operations there, and I was flying a uh, uh, an F sixteen. Um, the F sixteen obviously is you know, a great airplane, uh, had had GPS and all, a lot of advanced technologies, but did not have some of the same moving map uh, capabilities that that you've seen elsewhere. And so, you know, flying at five hundred knots uh, on the the border between Iran and Iraq. You know, you really want to know which side you're on, and uh, it's hard to do if you don't have that that mapping technology, uh, which was, of course, a, a sense of frustration. But that same year, I could come home, uh, strap an iPad to my leg, and fly a Cessna around, and have full situational awareness of exactly where I was with a map and all of these things. Uh, and so, uh, you know, this was an app on a commercially oriented piece of hardware, uh, and it just, uh, I think, highlighted. For me, that uh, it would take us much longer to get an equivalent capability in the airplane, given the way we buy software and, and implement things. And so, uh, again, the way that uh, advanced technology is being built and distributed uh, requires us to think about uh, interfacing with industry in a different and more rapid way. So, to your point, right? What is the the impediments or the difficulties? It's mostly around speed uh, and, and transparency, right? Uh, the Many of our leading uh, younger companies uh, are not necessarily uh, capital limited, um, uh, uh, but are focused more on how do they maximize uh, their revenue and their own business opportunities. Uh, and so when uh, a rapid process could take 18 to 24 months within the, uh, the department, it's very hard for a fast-growing uh, technology company to want to invest the, you know, sales, marketing resources, product resources to address that uh, to address that customer. So, uh, helping to uh, reduce some of those uh, impediments will allow the department to interact with a whole broader range of 
of technology vendors. It allow us to interact better with our own traditional uh, defense industrial base, but also entice uh, newer entrants to the market that, you know, candidly had never thought about the DOD as a, as a real customer. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, that brings us pretty naturally to, to the DIUX, uh, which was rebooted a couple of months ago. Uh, so what are, the, what are the challenges or the problems that you're planning to address and how are you going about your mission more generally? No, that's a, that's a, uh, ha- happy to talk about that. Um, so really what uh, we're doing at DIUX is helping to solve the problems of our customers, right? So that is the services, uh, the combatant commands, basically our, our military partners to uh, help uh, help bring new solutions to their uh, technology uh, technology needs. Uh, and so we are we've started a segmented DIOX into three lines of effort. There's uh, the first line of effort, which I'm I'm calling a, a venture group, but it's essentially starting with a capability need from a service, uh, engaging with industry and non-traditional vendors to uh, uh, see what technology solutions may fit our needs and then be able to interface them, interface with them very, very quickly and on commercial terms. And I'll talk more about that here in a minute. Uh, the second piece is a, a foundry uh, effort, which is to take uh, earlier stage uh, conceptual technologies to try to solve our problems. So think taking three Navy SEALs and three engineers and putting them in a room to uh, you know, adapt some uh, artificial intelligence or virtual reality technology to our needs. Uh, and then finally, in a, an engagement team, which helps to culturally bridge the gap between the defense department and uh, innovation centers, right? Helping each understand how they do, how they do business. And that's the key part, right? Is uh, I, I think for uh, when, when a, uh, a young or even a mature technology company that's not traditionally a defense supplier looks at DOD, um, though it is a very large uh, customer, it's one customer and they're balancing it uh, with all the other Fortune 100, uh, Fortune 100 Global 2000 customers they're looking at. Uh, and so the key thing that we at DIUX uh, are doing is enabling the department to contract and interface with these companies um, as they would any other commercial customer, right? So that mm-hmm. goes from speed. So we can go from meeting a company to putting them under contract in under 60 days. It means yeah. uh, having commercial terms in those contracts, such as uh, not requiring a unique uh, accounting system from those companies, <laughs> being able to negotiate IP on a a contract by contract basis, um, preventing the contract from getting uh, mired in protest and and legal issues. So all of these uh, new capabilities are ones that we're leveraging the uh, law that Congress with extreme foresight had put into the 2016 NDA, the National Defense uh, Authorization Act. And in that, uh, we are uh, basically leveraging new authorities that uh, Congress had given to the department wide uh, to enable this very type of activity. So, uh, you know, that's really what I think makes us um, 
makes us different and allows us to engage a set of non-traditional suppliers uh, to the benefit uh, of, of national security. Yeah, and which which is all great stuff. I uh, I can I can hear uh, a couple of, of of particular individuals on the House Armed Services Committee, oh, sorry, on the Senate Armed Services Committee, sort of singing for joy at this at, at this moment because they've been very frustrated that no one else in the department was actually taking up these authorities that they had had in, had had enshrined uh, for them. So. Um, that's a very um, smart approach. Just be interested, sort of taking that approach forward. What is success going to look like for the DIUX? Oh, great. So I think there's a couple of different metrics for our success, right? So the, the most immediate and central metric, of course, is solving important capability gaps. So how can we take these commercial technologies and solve some of our most pressing military problems. And that's across a range of domains from cybersecurity to uh, automation and robots from you know, undersea to air and land. Um, how do we take some of the new data analytics tools and apply them? So, so kind of core set one is solving problems, right? That's what we exist to do. Um, but I think longer term, there are some uh, very important derivative effects that over time will be the, in my humble hope, the, the long-term and lasting success of, of DIOX. Um, first off, it, it would uh, uh, expand and enable uh, new sets of technology companies to look at DOD as a preferred customer. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and in fact, we'd even welcome them as one of their first customers. Um, uh, to share a, another anecdote, right? When uh, I had founded my, uh, my startup, uh, my two engineers were from the, the US government. We were building some defensive cybersecurity tools that we knew would be valuable to the DOD mission. Um, but under the advice of our investors and even our early experience, uh, we ended up not uh, engaging with the government at all. It was uh, just too difficult, would lower our valuation, um, and we ended up uh, <laughs> only having commercial revenue, right? Even though we knew they wanted our product. So, so that's the lasting um, impact is I want to change the culture and the dynamic between the two. So it's not an adversarial or, uh, or negative sort of perception between the two, but uh, startups know that the DOD can be a transparent and reliable partner and customer. The DOD understands that there are uh, great innovations uh, in startup land and are able to access those. You know, but knowing that uh, you know some of these companies are early and there are some some risks that come along with that. Uh, and so, uh, 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 rebuilding that relationship is an important derivative effect. I think uh, another derivative effect for success for DIOX, in my view, is uh, that we, you know, there's the, the word experimental is in our yep. name for a very important reason, which is uh, the, the, the secretary has asked us to try new things, both, tech, both from a technology standpoint as well as from a process standpoint, uh, and to accept failures along the way. And so as we build out new processes, new contracting vehicles, my hope is that when we uh, are able to prove out and build 
new ways of, of just doing business that we will be um, uh, a beacon or an example that uh, others in the department can uh, you know wholesale adopt and and take what we have uh, sort of pioneered and went through the growing pains of and use these new authorities that Congress had had uh, put together. I mean, candidly, right? In, in I don't know what the time frame is. Five years. If we're really successful, then DOIX uh, doesn't uh, need to exist anymore, right? If our approaches and uh, methodologies are adopted by the department writ large, then uh, you know perhaps we we the, there's no need to have a separate organization. That's uh, that, that that that's a potentially heretical statement there, Raj. If you you know you're part of a government agency and you're saying that maybe you don't want it to be to exist in a few years, the goal, man, is to is to try to build it into like three or four thousand people and have it be large and not do anything anymore. The um, but 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 I think you're right. I, I mean, and, and hopefully, as you do these things, others in the department will realize that it's not illegal or. Uh, that the FAR actually allows it or whatever it is, and, and they will hopefully adopt some of these things inside their own acquisition com uh, communities. I think that would be um, excellent. Uh, now, you, you touched um, in, uh, a couple of minutes ago on some, some of the sort of challenges there. And certainly from my perspective, as someone who has who's run a DOD-focused business, uh, it was a great experience and there was a lot of opportunities there. But frankly, I mean, the, the department is a difficult customer uh, in many ways, and it doesn't tr doesn't try to be, um, but you know, between uh, continuing resolutions and DCAA audits and being given cost plus fixed fee contracts when you don't think that they're appropriate, all that kind of thing, it can be difficult. Um, I'd just be interested in your thoughts on sort of what makes it worth dealing with all of that. I think we all understand some of the challenges, but what's the upside? Um, sure. What is it that the DoD offers to? A startup, whether that's a, a, an early stage startup or a more mature uh, organization, what's what's in it for for those startups? Sure, I actually think there's quite a bit uh, available for startups if you're able to, to access it, understanding it. So first and foremost, right, startups are in the business of being in business, uh, mm -hmm. and so there's nothing like revenue to get a, a technology company excited. Um, yep. The Defense Department is the largest buyer of IT in the world. Uh, it's the has the largest procurement uh, budget of uh, any single organization. So it, it certainly is the the largest gorilla. And so, as an early stage company, to be able to secure recurring revenue from what is actually a very stable customer, once you uh, are a, a a seller to them, is uh, you know obviously the the most immediate benefit. But there's a lot of other things that uh, working with the DOD can offer uh, an early stage company that they may not be able to get anywhere else. Um, access to a large amounts of test data uh, or test ranges uh, yep. if you're a hardware startup is uh, uh, very important. Um, early operational testing of things. So if you're creating certain types of vehicles or autonomous vehicles, the department can uh, test those in operational settings for you and provide you very important feedback so you can hone your product before it's ready for the more commercial enterprise market. Uh, That's right. Validation. I mean, uh, t t t test testing something in the uh, delightful um, climbs of Mountain View is not the same as testing it in, in the dust at 29 Palms, which is something I've had uh, experience as well. Where it's like, this thing totally works. Oh, wait, you want me to do it at 120 degrees for a week? 
and people are going to like stand on it. That's different. Exactly. And now, if you even think about the, the world of drones and autonomy of package delivery and things, uh, uh, autonomous uh, flying vehicles, it's very hard in Mountain View to find FAA cleared airspace where you can go and test those things knowing that exactly. a few of them are likely to crash. Uh, whereas <laughs> the Defense Department can offer you that space in some of its you know massive test ranges that we have in, in the Southwest. And in fact, we're doing that with a couple of the companies that we're working with. Uh, so I think that piece of it is actually very, very important uh, for a young startup. And you can see the same thing on a cyber range of, uh, you know, is there a range where you can um, uh, handle uh, and practice large amounts of defensive techniques and uh, dealing with large throughputs of data? Um, and then I think if you're successful, there's also a strong validation effort, right? Uh, mm -hmm. From a technology standpoint, that signals well to other customers and other investors if you're uh, able to, to sell to what is even operationally a very demanding, a demanding customer. Um, and then I think finally, uh, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, highlight the mission aspect, you know, which is why personally I'm, I'm back in government service, is uh, there's something very satisfactory to know that um, your efforts of your engineers and your team um, has, uh, beyond just you know, building a great business, played a, a, an important role in you know, protecting our nation, keeping and our allied nations around the world, uh, and, and just making uh, the world a safer place. I think there's some you know, intrinsic uh, uh, psychic value to that as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so then, uh, what advice do you have for startups who are, who are looking to collaborate with DIUX? Uh, your, your, your website, I have to congratulate you on as well, that, that actually is a usable and user-friendly uh, website where I could get information about your organization, which is not always true of DOD websites. Um, but, but, but what advice do you have for startups that are out there and have just learned about DIUX and are interested in maybe uh, pursuing some opportunities? Sure. Thanks, Ben. I, I think the first one is you highlighted. Go to our, go to our website. So uh, our sort of mode of action is we are working very closely with our DOD customers, if you will, um, to understand their problem sets, validate them, ensure we have uh, resources aligned behind that. Um, and then we uh, release on the website a uh, sets of problems that we request solutions for. And, and we've tried to make it fairly straightforward where you can send your, uh, you know, the deck that you would have used for uh, a commercial company or an investor to, for, uh, to, to submit, um, and then we'll, we'll get back in contact. Uh, we're trying to be very respectful of uh, folks' time um, in that if you have a meeting with us, uh, uh, there is a real purpose behind why we have that meeting um, in terms of, of moving it forward uh, either towards a, towards, a, towards a contract and engagement or uh, you know, quick feedback that uh, at this time that's not what uh, doesn't fit Army needs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then... Um... Just interested in exploring sort of life for startups in, in, in the DoD world uh, and interested in your advice as a founder, as someone who's sold a business and also someone who spent a lot of time in government. What, what broader advice do you have for startups seeking to operate in the national security space, whether that's um, after they've worked through DIUX and then have broader opportunities or just for, for, for other folks who are out there uh, doing business with DoD or other national security organizations? Yep. Um, 
I think it's not uh, unlike your interactions in many ways with commercial companies in that you really have to understand the customer and what their true needs are, um, understanding the organizational dynamics, what your champion within that dynamic uh, has, uh, uh, his particular or her particular needs, and, and designing a solution uh, product market fit that really addresses that from both the technology, organizational, and implementation standpoint. Uh, I think what's different always, of course, in the, the DOD is uh, the, the funding mechanisms and contracting mechanisms can be uh, uh, quite different and uh, a little bit uh, um, uh, daunting. Uh, so I'd say, ha you know, have patience, uh, look for organizations, not just DAOX, that have charters for uh, rapid movement, um, and, uh, and know that uh, at the end of that investment of, of time and effort is a uh, is what hopefully will be a very strong and stable customer. Makes sense. I mean, it's one of those frustrating things where, from from an outside perspective, the the, the DoD can seem counterintuitive and it doesn't make sense. But but in in many ways, running a business is running a business. Uh, you've just got a couple of extra factors that you need to account for in the DoD context. Yep. Um, so. One of the other things with any sort of new initiative in, in certainly in a national security context or in a DOD bureaucratic context is that it tends to, uh, if it has success or notoriety, it tends to sort of uh, create a, a, a discussion where people are wondering, well, who are you in conflict with? Uh, how does this fit in the bigger picture? Um, so I'd just like to ask you a couple of questions about that. The sure. first one is just sort of asking, in, in, in the DoD context, we've seen a, a, a big push for change on multiple fronts over the last year and a half, which I think is good. But we've had, uh, you know, force of the future, uh, better buying power, which has gone through three series over, over, over a few years now. Uh, we've got the third offset strategy, um, all of these initiatives on the Hill just be interested in your thoughts on on where does the DIUX sort of fit in that picture, um, and, and and are there is is there overlap? How do you see that all playing out? Sure, great question. We uh, I see us as an interface to places like Silicon Valley and Boston for all of those efforts. So we uh, we want to partner with all of these different initiatives and the more forward leaning parts of our services to help. Uh, help them access and navigate the, the valley, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, an equal amount of hot air in the valley in Boston as there is in D.C. Uh, it, just smells so. little, it just smells a little bit different, and you have to have a nose for it. <laughs> uh, and so we aim to be that interface uh, for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, everything we work on with, we're, we're partnering with somebody uh, within the department. So uh, I think it's a very complimentary, complimentary situation. That makes a lot of sense. And and one of the other things that we've, we've sort of heard from, from the more traditional defense industry is a certain amount of frustration. They, they feel that when senior leaders are saying that they need new innovation, that it implies that traditional defense industry isn't innovative um, or that there's, that, that there's some sort of um, competition between these two, uh, sort of groups. Just be interested in your thoughts. Uh, I mean, is, 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 there, is there some truth to that? Um, do, do we need new approaches at the cost of old ones? Or again, is that a complementary kind of situation? Yeah, I don't think it's mutually exclusive at, at, at all. So at a, at a micro level, uh, DIOX is open to work with traditional uh, 
uh, DIB members uh, as well, um, uh, especially if they are partnering with a non-traditional vendor. Um, so, so I, I don't think there there's a, a direct conflict. I think if I step back from a more macro standpoint, it is how do we complement what the industrial base is doing by encouraging non-traditional vendors to to enter. And again, this uh, I, I cycle back to the the premise uh, that we started this conversation, Ben, which is just the magnitude of investment uh, in IRAD that's occurring in the commercial world, right? There's almost 60 billion in venture capital funding that went out to startups. If you look at the IRAD between uh, some of the larger tech players, Google, Facebook, Apple, versus um, uh, you know more traditional uh, uh, defense industrial base, right? It's uh, it, it's there's more in those individual companies than uh, the others combined. So, so I, I think there's a uh, it's not a zero sum dynamic at all. I think we're encouraging new technology uh, to be brought into the department from from these other non traditional vendors. Um, that said, right, the DoD uh, when it deploys, when the Defense Department goes to war. There are some very specific needs in terms of logistics, enablement, sustainment that requires real expertise. Uh, and so I think there's almost an opportunity for the defense industrial base to uh, you know, harness what some of these you know, young early startups are doing out uh, in, in the valley um, and then combine that with their more uh, holistic life cycle understanding to uh, to have that perfect combo. So again, I think it can be very complementary, uh, and our as DIUX, our our kind of push is to help encourage at the very forefront uh, these non-traditionals to come in. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, the thing from from my vantage point, thinking about this as well, is that the thing that the traditional defense industry really provides is ability to scale inside the DoD. Um, the they they have the the relationships they have the manufacturing base they have all those kind of things um, and and we'll still need to look at what are the what are the right models for doing that um, but I think there's a lot of opportunity there as well the um, the other thing that 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 I think is going to increasingly be the case is that um, the traditional defense industry has has a, a role to play and we're already seeing this start as as an exit. Um, opportunity for for certain startups, uh, so you can exit exit via acquisition to some of those guys. The multiples are going to look a little bit different, but I, I I think that it's still a pretty viable opportunity for for a, a, a group of businesses. Mm-hmm. So um, so understanding that that sort of um, the context within which DIOX is, is 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 operating, I think that gives a pretty good overall picture of sort of where you are, what you're looking to do. Uh, and how you're going to to to, to do it? The the one sort of last question that I'd last that I'd like to ask you is is about businesses, startups that are coming from the national security space out into the commercial world. Um, I think that uh, we have been rightly focused on how do we bring how do we leverage, as you say, that that sort of global R and D uh, base into DOT. But increasingly, we're seeing companies that are starting in a defense context. Obvious examples like Palantir, SpaceX has had a lot to do with with NASA and the Air Force. 
Um, and, and then a lot of, uh, and uh, I think companies like Endgame as well are pretty interesting in that space. And there's a large number of smaller organizations. So I'd just be interested in your thoughts about that and um, uh, if there are opportunities there and if so, how does DOD capitalize on them and that, that general uh, space? Sure. I think there's been a long history of national security related or funded technologies and companies spinning out uh, and enabling. So the, the, you know, the, the old adage of going from swords to plowshares, uh, if you think mm -hmm. about the internet, if you think about all the different parts of your iPhone uh, from, from Siri to microprocessors that relied on government R&D, uh, there's been a, you know, a long and successful history of that, and I think that's a, a great thing. I think what's interesting now is we're almost going in the opposite direction in that uh, not just from swords to plowshares, but now going from plowshares back to swords. So you see a lot of uh, interesting technology companies and techn uh, technologies where was originally funded by the DOD through one of our labs or DARPA. It then spun out, became a commercial technology company that had access, uh, that, that grew and uh, became a well-known brand. And now we're bringing that technology back into the department. So uh, for, for our needs, leveraging the fact that there's you know, thousands of engineers building a, building a platform. So I think this is a, a, a very symbiotic uh, relationship. I think it's um, a testament to the sort of open nature and uh, uh, collaborative nature of both our labs, uh, academic institutions, and, uh, and and industry that enables us enables us to happen. Uh, and so, I, the way I see it, it's a it's a creative to to, to all players involved. And that makes a lot of sense. Well, Raj, I, I think you've given us in a pretty short period of time uh, a great sort of. Uh, vision of the landscape, both in terms of why startups are important in general and what the DIOX is doing about it in, in, in particular. Um, is there anything else that, that, that you'd like to share uh, with our listeners um, before you go back to changing the way that the Department of Defense uh, accesses technology? Well, Ben, first off, I appreciate the, the opportunity to, to speak with you and to speak with your listeners. I think the last, the final thing I would just leave everyone with is um, the department uh, is is committed to continually to improve its process, processes, to be experimental, uh, and to just improve the ways that we operate. The, the world is a changing place. The way that technology is built is changing, and we are, we are adapting with it. And so uh, I would just encourage uh, the listeners here to uh, let go of perhaps past preconceptions and notions um, and to uh, to interface with us and other parts uh, with a fresh look. Excellent. Well, on that positive note, I will allow you to uh, to get back to things. Congratulations again on on the position as managing partner and all of the great work that you've done in a in a pretty short period of time to to sort of uh, reboot the organization. And good luck moving forward. Great. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Rush. To hear more from the National Security Startup Series go to startups.cnas.org or search for CNAS on iTunes or SoundCloud.